SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour. And I know we throw this term around all the time. Legendary. Legendary. They're calling me legendary now. I'm just a guy. But the guy we got today, my guest today, is a legend in this business. Chris Andrews. Bookmaker. He's worked in northern Nevada. He's worked in southern Nevada. He's been working at the South Point uh, Las Vegas for, I don't know, a decade plus now. Um, Chris is as sharp as it comes. And just as importantly... He knows everybody who is as sharp as it comes. Chris is going to I'm going to pick his brain. Who do the wise guys bet and who are they betting against? Who do they like? Who don't they like? Uh, what's going on at the South Point? How the betting action comes? I really think we're going to have a good discussion. And every time I get a chance to talk with Chris Andrews, of course, he's going to promote his book uh, as well, uh, which name, the name of which I'm not even going to try to pronounce because he titled it in Greek. For some reason, but nonetheless, we'll have Chris Andrews from the South Point on, and we're going to pick his brain about what's going on in the world of sports and sports betting as the calendar shifts from October to November uh, here in the midst of the, one of the busiest times of the year for sports betters. We're going to spend a lot of our discussion today talking about college football. We like to do that every Saturday during college football season, and there will be ample college football discussion with Chris Andrews. But I'm an NBA guy. I do want to talk a little NBA to open the show because we have three teams that were supposed to be championship contenders. And all three of them stink right now. And there's money to be made when you have three teams that think they were going to be championship contenders or at least good or at least pretty good. And none of them are actually any good right now. Of course, everyone knows what's going on with the Lakers. Lakers aren't any. Uh, and what the Lakers have done in early season play is pretty shocking. In the history of the NBA, whenever I start with something like that, in the history of the NBA, L.A. now has the worst four-game three-point shooting percentage in NBA history. That's any four games, not the first four. Now, there is a caveat. It's for a, with teams that have taken 125 or more three-point attempts over a four-game span. But the four-letter network came out and said it. Dead last in the history of the league in terms of their three-point shooting the first portion of the season. That is a shocking number, and it's an outlier number. You know it can't hold. All right, at some point, L.A. is going to find some shooting touch from three-point range. They're not taking good shots, though. (laughs) And they don't have a whole lot of good shooters, though. And while the markets are, in some sense, crashing on the Lakers... On the other hand, they're not. We saw lots of Lakers money come against Denver uh, the other night. And there's this thought process that L.A. can't be that bad. Right now they are. This is a team to bet against when you're dead last in the NBA in offensive efficiency. And it's not close. Way off the charts. Way worse than anybody else in terms of offensive efficiency. I know you got LeBron. I know you got AD. But right now the Lakers aren't a good basketball team. They're a one-way team for me. I can only bet against L.A. What about the Nets, who, again, lost the other night in overtime at home? They fought and found a way to lose. 
Remember all the rumblings in the offseason? You know, oh, Kyrie wants out. Durant wants out. This guy wants out. Nash wants out. And then everyone makes up, breaks bread, says, oh, we're going to be fine once the regular season starts. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn. Oh, we all like the. I'm just kidding. I didn't really want to be traded. The Nets look like a mess <laughs> in many different senses. All right, you get Joe Harris back. Oh, it's going to free the spacing. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and when you look at Brooklyn, they kind of look poorly constructed. They're not a physical team in the paint. You can push the Nets around. They're not a great team on the perimeter. They have multiple very talented players, but that's where you get in trouble betting on sports. Falling in love with players, not teams. As a team right now, the defensive chemistry isn't there in Brooklyn. The offensive chemistry isn't there in Brooklyn. The we like each other, we like playing with each other isn't there in Brooklyn. Nets are a one-way team. If I'm playing a Nets game right now, I'll be betting against them. And let's not forget the 76ers, realistically, of the three teams we're talking about, the Lakers, the Nets, and the Sixers, Philly was a legit championship contender. You know, the Lakers weren't lined as a championship contender. The Nets uh, weren't lined as one of the true elites. Philly is. And Philly was. And Philly made all win-now moves this offseason. You look at that roster, it's so deep. And when you have Harden and Embiid, you have the star power. Everything looks right for Philly. Except for that, it's another team where it's very clear I don't know if they like each other. <laughs> I don't know if they're buying what Doc Rivers is selling. I don't understand what Doc Rivers is selling. Uh, you know, when you have a team that's having defensive issues, keeping your best defensive players buried on the bench may not be the best idea. Matisse Teibel, uh, anyone. I look at Philly, and again, Harden's done nothing but get worse in recent seasons. Embiid. A truly a dominant player, but a guy who's had extraordinary usage numbers in recent seasons. I don't know that Philly's going to get better. I don't know that Brooklyn's going to get better. I don't know the Lakers. The Lakers have to get better, but I don't know the markets are going to price them right. <clears throat> Three teams in early season NBA that are one-way teams. I only bet against those three squads moving forward. And there will be a turnaround at some point, perhaps for all three of them. We'll worry about that when it happens. Right now, fade the Nets, fade the Sixers, fade the Lakers. We'll be right back with Chris Andrews. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If I had my way, I would have a bookmaker on the show every week. Unfortunately, they're hard to schedule. They're busy guys. But when I get a chance to pick Chris Andrews' brain, again, he's at Andrew Sports on Twitter, at South Point LV, the South Point Casino, right here in fabulous, sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. When I get the chance to bring Chris Andrews on, I'm jumping at that chance. We're going to pick his brain over the course of the next hour, talking about what he's been writing, what he's been reading, and who the heck everyone's betting on this football season. Legendary Vegas odds maker Chris Andrews, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing great, Daddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. Let's start with your newest book. I'm going to be honest. I read Then One Day. I read Then One Year. 
I have not yet read Adolphus Ma, but and I don't even know if I pronounced it right. Let's start with that. No, How do you no, pronounce yes. it? Adolphus <laughs> Mao? Adolphus Moi? No, How do you do that? Adolphus Mu. Okay. Means my brother. I, the, the general rule in Greek is wherever you think, whatever syllable you think should be accented, you're wrong. Pick one or the other. <laughs> That's the general rule. <laughs> Adelphus Mu. Uh, Adelphus so, Mu. Adelphus. Okay, I got. I, 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 I'm, you're getting there, Teddy. You're getting. There. Clearly, my Greek's got a long way to go. Uh, but <laughs> uh, nonetheless, you gave it a Greek title. It's called My Brother. Talk to me about writing fiction as opposed to nonfiction. I love both your nonfiction books, both of them. I thought were fantastic. They're great reads. You can get them on Amazon. You get them wherever you buy books. Again, then one day and then one year uh, from Chris Andrews. But this one isn't, isn't true life. It's uh, something that came out of your brain. Talk to me about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I did grow up in a wise guy household, and I always thought, you know, my one uncle was, uh, you know, not really a bookmaker, more of a better than a bookmaker. But always, and his one son was a very, very good basketball player. Never, it got hurt his knee real bad, like a lot of guys did back in that. I mean, he was my age. Knee surgeries weren't the same. So I always wondered, what would have happened had he become like a major college player? Because he was on the verge of being about that good. And that kind of just stuck in my brain all these years. And, you know, just kind of from that, it germinated into a story like guys trying to fix games and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, things go sideways as uh, they are wont to do in the, in real life. The difference of writing, though, is uh, I think Mark Twain said it. You know, the problem with fiction is you have to make it seem real. And in real life, it, nothing seems real. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, stuff. So. So that was the challenge, but I, I think I, I think the book works really well so far. The people that have read it really liked it, so and I'm very happy with the sales and everything else. So oh, very, that's great. And by the way, you can get it on Amazon or BookLocker.com is my publisher. You can get it directly from them. And so the process of writing fiction versus nonfiction, like your first book was a bunch of gambling stories, and it's kind of given me impetus. I'm actually starting to. Uh, to, to compile my gambling stories now. I got a fair few as well yeah, uh, over the years. So I'm starting to compile them. Whether it ever gets written out, I don't know. But you've motivated me to at least start because, man, you're in 25 years in town. Boy, you get a bunch of them over time. So your first book is, 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 a, is the, the best gambling stories of your life. And the second book, of course, is the story of the craziest year any of us will ever have, uh, being 2020, what it was like to, to, to make book that particular year. Uh, but... Now you're transitioning to fiction. Like, what's the difference between writing the, 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 the two different types of books? And where do you find the time to put that together, man? Well, you know, the time is definitely the big challenge, you know. And the, the fiction book was probably, you know, I hate to say, like about 20 years in the making. You know, by the time I wrote it, rewrote it, re-edited it, you know, changed a few things, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'm working on another one. You know, hopefully it won't take me 20 years. I don't know if I have 20 years left. I'm 66 years old. You know, but hopefully in a couple of years I'll have that one done. And you know, and I'm writing another book. Uh, you know, a follow up to then one day and then one year. Just talked to Anthony Curtis, the publisher, hunting the press the other day. He, he'd love to see me do one more book. And you know, I've been kind of working on that on and off too. So, but I, I enjoy writing. It's something I really, it's a labor of love. It really is. But, uh, you know, just kind of find the time for things like that and squeeze it in whenever you can. I'm going to take the under in terms of when your next book's going to come out. Because my honey, <laughs> you, you've got it down now. And then, like when you've gotten three, when you kicked out three, you'll get the fourth one done. I'll take under 2025. What are we going to go? Uh, December 31st. 
2024? Yeah. Is that a fair number? You're a sharp handicapper. I think you're probably on the right track with that one. I'm <laughs> going to take that action, but I think you got the right side. So I, I got to ask you, man, you're, you're a guy who has been – who's had his fair share of health issues over the years. How's your health right now? And just as importantly, when things get super busy at this time of year in late October, with every sport going at once, you ever think about retiring? How long do you want to do this? You know, it's funny because Mary Jungers, who runs the race book, and I have nothing to do with the race book. I'm strictly in sports. But she's, I think, a year or two younger than me. And she's retiring this year, at the end of the year. And uh, Michael Gaughan was in my office. He said, how about you? Are you thinking retiring? You know, you kind of. I think he's hoping I'm not. I said, Michael, <laughs> you're going to wind up taking me out of here in a coffin. That's the way I'm going So he kind of laughed. Okay, I don't know if that's going to be true or not. But right now, you know, I had a doctor's appointment last week. Everything checks out great. I feel good. You know, I have n- no desire to retire right now, none whatsoever. I, I still really enjoy this. I mean, there's, there's nights I go home when I'm not too crazy about it. But every day when I show up for work, I'm enthused to start the day. So as long as that stays, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep doing this. That's excellent news. But i got to ask you, like this time of year, I'm only in my 50s. All right? I, you, you got a decade plus on me right now, I think. Yeah, you're a kid. And, you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. And at this, like every October, when we get into the crunch time, you know, October, early November, uh, when all the major sports are going at the same time and you just don't sleep for like six weeks. Every yeah. year at this time, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Next year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way. You know, uh, I don't necessarily think about retiring per se, but how busy is it in the sports book right now? How do you keep track of everything that you've got to book at this time of the year? Well, Teddy, you know, in my position, you have to have a good crew. And I have a really good crew. Back in, you know, when I started, I always said I, I knew every number on the board, you know, because there just wasn't that many numbers. Well, how can you know it now? You can't know every golfer. You can't know every NASCAR uh, driver. You know, I can't know the, the, the halftime totals of every game. I can't know the halftime money lines every game. You know, I just don't – there's no way you could do that. So you have to trust your crew, and you have to have a good crew. And I'm very fortunate. I have a very, very good crew. Uh, they know kind of the way we want to do things between, you know, Michael Gaughan and myself. Um, and Jimmy Vaccaro. So we, we really have, uh, we're all on the same page, and it makes life so much easier. I just can't, I, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, and I don't know who does to follow all of them. You know, so you got to leave it in their hands, and they've got a great, great job. Make me proud. Yeah, and that's, uh, I know, with any sports, we're gonna, I get this same, the, a similar type of answer from just about every sports book director I talk to. It's like, yeah. I make sure I make sure that I hire well <laughs> because I don't hire well. It's going to get ugly. Uh, so it's the yeah. people that you surround yourself with at this time of the year that make many uh, of the decisions as to where a line's going to open or when it's going to move, and not necessarily yourself. Uh, we got just about a minute before the break. I, I want to ask you: How's the battle for market share these days? Is it handled decent at the South Point? Are signups for the app good? Is the casino business good? Uh, talk to me about the market share and what you're trying to do at the South Point these days. Well, our handle's been terrific. And, uh, you know, ever since PAPS, uh, you know, got overturned and people asked me if that was going to hurt Vegas. And I said right away, it's really going to grow the market. And that's what it's done. It's grown it probably for all of us. You know, I see Las Vegas business very strong, not just in the sports book, but the entire casino, everything. You know, I mean, it, this place is so busy all the time. You know, and, uh, you know, I've, I talked to, 
you know, Ryan Ground, he was the general manager. once. Well, we should do this. We should, and he looks at me and says, you know, you need a shoehorn to get anybody else into this joint. I, I don't know what we want to change. <laughs> you know, okay, I guess you're right. You know, so, um, you know, everything's been terrific. You know, the handle's been great. The, you know, the wind has been good. So uh, no complaints. Everything's, you know, right on track. Yeah, of course, the South Point uh, is the closest casino to my house. I live about equidistant from South Point to M, but the South Point parking lot works for me better. And I was there like noon on a Wednesday. Couldn't find a parking spot. It has been yeah. real, real busy. That's a good sign, at least, for Las Vegas right now. More with Chris Andrews after the break. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The word legendary gets thrown out a lot when it comes to sports and sports betting. Seems like I was talking about it last week. I'm like, if you make it 10 years in this business, all of a sudden they're starting to call you a legend. 15 years in this business, you're, wow, you're a real legend. I'm 25 years. Every time I get on a show, they're calling me the legendary Teddy Covers. And I haven't even done anything compared to this guy. Chris Andrews is a legit <laughs> legend in this business. He's been making book. How long have you been making book, Chris? Well, in Nevada, I came here in 79. So what's that? Okay. 43 <laughs> years. And like, you know, It's my sixth decade. If you're going by decades, I started in the 70s. It's pretty remarkable. Goodness gracious, and I'm sure you were making book before you got here as well. That's the the rumor, Teddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day. Some of my uh, Uh, college buddies would tell you that. Sure, sure. That's how I got my start. You know, I got my start in the sports betting world as a a bookie in Ann Arbor, an illegal bookie back in the day in Ann Arbor. Uh, And that was when I learned to fade the public. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. uh, It was so funny. We were so weird. You know, when we first started doing it, We'd get loaded up on a side, and we were just panicked. We'd, oh my god! Oh my god! And then yeah. we watched that happen every week, and everyone. Every time we got loaded up on the side, we won them all. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like most of them. Felt like that first year. Every time everyone was loaded on one side, uh, we were able to cash all of those bets, and that was a nice uh, part of booking. But this side of the counter suited me better. Um, I like to make the choices. That to me was the hardest part about being a, a small town bookie. Was Whatever they bet, I got to deal with. I don't get to make any of my yeah. own choices. You just have to. You just yeah. got to suck it up. How do you deal with that as a bookmaker? Well, it's funny. I used to take my kids out for Monday night. You know, we'd go to this one friend of mine owned a bar. I said, "Okay, you get a free five dollars, and I'll tell you what you need." And they said, "Saying, you know, Dad, it seems like everybody in the whole place is rooting against us." I said, "Well, <laughs> welcome to the life of a bookmaker. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> Who everybody else wants, you got the other side. It's just you got to learn to live with it. You know, so." Uh, you just learn to live with it at this point, Daddy. That's all. All right. So we're picking Chris Andrews' brain today. Uh, it's a guy who, again, as, as as sharp as it gets and a guy who's been around the business for as long as it gets. Chris, I, I put this on my list of questions because I don't know the answer anymore. And I thought you might. This town's famous for buffets. What's the best buffet <laughs> that's open in town in Las Vegas these days? Well, I know that you know we're open at the South Point, and I know it's you know we get huge lines. So I'm not sure who all's open, but Teddy, if you remember, I think it's got to be 15 years or so ago. You and I ate at the Bellagio buffet. I do uh, with another guy. Uh, that was a pretty <laughs> darn good buffet. I don't know if they're still open or not, but that was pretty. It's pretty expensive. You ain't gonna go there on the cheap. I can tell you that. 
but uh, I, you know, we do great here at the South Point. But I, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I've, I, you know, Teddy, I'm trying to watch my weight a little bit. Believe it or not, so I try to stay away from the buffets if I can. So yeah, see, I find like how we hit them. I, I, I haven't been. I feel like I haven't been in years. And but like when I first moved to Vegas, the the I would go for a late lunch. You know, the, 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 like the lunch would go like maybe at two or two thirty. They'd switch the they'd switch it out. You know. Um, and I'd go and get in there like one thirty or two, so I'd pay the lunch price, and I'd eat lunch, and then I'd eat dinner, and then I'd eat breakfast, <laughs> yeah. and then I'd get ready for the game. I'd be in there, you know, from about one thirty or something till the game started at four. Uh, after I got my bets down, and I would just eat for the day, um, which is doable, or which was doable back yeah. in the day. Yeah, no, we um, all used to do that. We were all scraping for a dollar here and there. Exactly. <laughs> so. Let's talk about Twitter uh, for a minute. Yeah. Of course, uh, you can follow uh, Chris on Twitter at Andrews Sports. That's two S's at Andrews Sports uh, on. I'm sorry, one S. Andrews. No, is that right? Yeah, no, and, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote it wrong. I, I typed it down wrong. Andrews Sports with two S's in the middle, and of course at South Point LV, uh, the South Point uh, Casino. Um, you follow like two thousand, almost like two thousand people on Twitter. Is that personal or business? And is that are you following all the beat writers that everyone says you should follow? Are you following other bookmakers? Like nineteen hundred people, two thousand people, that's a lot of follows. What are you looking for? Yeah, that that's really too much. And a lot of guys, you know, I just you know, they, a lot of them, you know, they maybe have done me a favor or something like that. And I follow them, you know, not so much for their information or anything like that. Just kind of, you know, to. You know, I hate to say, kind of throw them a bone, you know, sure. something like that. Because a lot of them, they appreciate it. So I do that. But I have a couple guys I try to follow that I really, uh, you know, try to get some information from. You know, Chris Felica, who's become a good friend of mine. Uh, he comes up, he, you know, listen, he's, uh, you know, he's got his nose to the grindstone and he's talking to a lot of people. You know, he's good at giving me uh, some good, pretty good information. Uh, Sammy Paniotovich, I think it's just by Sammy P on Twitter. He's good for information. Uh, Las Vegas Chris is, uh, you know, I think a friend of ours, and uh, he, yeah. Chris has some good stuff out there. And you know, Ralph Michaels, I, you know, I see him a lot. Ralph really does a lot of work. Uh, but I'm sure I'm leaving guys out. Barrett Sally is a national writer, not so much a, a gambling guy, although he does give picks and stuff like that. I, I like, you know, he he usually comes with a lot of information. Uh, Conley, uh, Bill Conley, he has that S and P Plus, which is a yeah, good guy yeah, for me. Really I use that. Yeah, so I mean, there's some guys out there, you know, try to, you know, just and everybody has a different way of handicapping, a different methodology. Let's try to see what what fits you best. But you know, I'd say if you find somebody giving you injuries, that's really valuable because colleges, uh, you know, these coaches don't tell you what's going on all the time. Sure, sure. That's why those beat writers are, you know, and and sure. unfortunately they don't always last that long. You know, the, the guys, yeah, the beat writer for Louisiana Monroe. You know, in, in two or three years, he's going to be the beat writer somewhere else. Uh, you know, especially from your smaller conference stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Those guys don't tend to hold those jobs for particularly long. They're moving up the uh, the scale. Uh, but when you find a good one, they're worth their weight uh, in gold. Um, what you betters look for on Twitter? Uh, well, injuries. Like I said, that's the one thing that you know you got to try to follow those and. Uh, that could be a tricky situation. I think some injuries mean an awful lot, and some really don't mean all that much. Uh, I always used to say the running back injuries were overrated. Uh, I still think they are, you know, because I think a good team is going to have, uh, you know, a certain stable of running backs, 
you know, a certain level, whether it's the starter or the backup or whatever. But, uh, you know, I try to look for clusters, like maybe, you know, like a couple linemen. Those always kind of fly under the radar. You look for, uh, you know, a group of linemen, either offensive or defensive, that are out. That can make a huge difference uh, in handicapping, you know, uh, a game. And, and I'd go back a couple, uh, you know, a couple Super Bowls back when the uh, Kansas City was losing both their tackles. Uh, you know, the public was all over Kansas City that day, but the wise guys had Tampa. And it wasn't because of Brady. I mean, Brady was great, but, you know, of course, uh, you know, Kansas City had a great offense as well, including Mahomes. But they couldn't protect them that day, and the wise guys all kind of knew it. You know, they were on the dog, and, uh, you know, of course it came to fruition. And, you know, the the team wasn't up to protecting Mahomes that day, and Tampa Bay uh, beat them up pretty good. Chris Andrews saying, Check your injuries in the trenches. That's something that Twitter yeah. can be very yeah. useful for. Does Elon Musk matter? Is Twitter still going to be the, uh, oh. uh, how do we call it, the the social media of record for uh, the sports betting community? Because best I can tell, Twitter's the best place for info for sports bettors. Still? Uh, or is Musk going to change that? I, you know, I hope it doesn't change. I don't know, though. I hate having uh, our lives controlled by these uh, ultra-billionaires. You know, I mean, my books are for sale on, on Amazon. You know, so there, I got to trust Elon or um, uh, Jeff Bezos to do the right thing by me. And you know, let me just tell you, he's a little slow pay sometimes. I mean, that happens, I guess, when you only have 180 billion dollars. But you know, then, then you got I got another multi-billionaire that you know is going to control my information. So I don't know. You know, Teddy, I I I hope everything's okay, but. Um, you know, I have a very guarded position at this point. I, I just don't know. That's fair enough. And it's better to say that you don't know than to say, oh, yeah, I know, and then be wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, I just don't know. We'll see. So just a couple minutes before the break, let's start talking a little college football. And I want to ask you this. Does anybody beat college football regularly, like week after week, year after year? And the bigger question is, who and how? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, Billy Walters, of course, is a legend in our business, and and he's beat football, whether it's college or pro. Really, kind of made his bones in the college before pro. But uh, over the years, uh, whatever his system is, he's learned to beat the pros as well. Uh, I don't know how Billy's doing this year. He's been been a little bit under the radar, you know, since uh, you know he served time. And uh, I had dinner with him uh, here at the South Point, you know, not long after he got out. And I I like Billy. He's a very personable guy. And, he and I have always gotten along really well. He's beaten it over the years. He's done very well. I can't speak of too many others. And even this year, you know, the sharp money has not had a great year. There's probably a few guys out there that have won, but I can't really name exactly who they are. I'll tell you the truth, Teddy, if I did know who they were, I wouldn't name them anyway. But no, no. A couple of guys. Yeah, there's a couple of guys out there that are beaten, but not very many. It's been a tough year, I think, for the sharp money in college football. It feels like that from my uh, perspective as well. I, a lot of the guys who I tend to respect in college football, they're playing 500 baseball. You know, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're at, a, at, at best uh, at a 500 level yeah. uh, this year. Now, the guys that do beat it, is it arbitrage? Are they just betting, you know, getting a plus 11 with you when it's minus 9.5 somewhere else? Or is it injury info that they have that nobody else has? Or is it... Handicapping, you know, hey, just uh, you know what, what we try to do and, and talk about. It. Which of those three methodologies do you think makes for more winning bets in college football? We got about thirty seconds before the break. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, you know, all of them, of course, 
but the methodology, what I've found, it seems to me they get on teams that are overrated and start betting against them. They bet against more than they bet on. That's one. That's my perspective, at least from this year. And I got a couple teams that I look at that they seem to bet against quite a bit. Now, of course, we as bookmakers have to kind of turn the tide and adjust our numbers. I think we've done okay with that, but I still see we got we got a few teams overrated, and you know we kind of got to address that. I'll ask you about those teams when we come back after this brief commercial message. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And, of course, you can follow our guest today, Chris Andrews, on Twitter at Andrews Sports. That's two S's in the middle. Again, Andrews Sports. And, of course, he's coming to us from the South Point Casino on the Las Vegas Strip at South Point LV uh, on Twitter. Now, right before the break, uh, Chris, we're talking about who's beating college football regularly and how the heck are they doing it. And you said this year, there's not that many people. Even the wise guys are having their fair share of struggles in college football. But you said one thing they have been doing, they found a handful of teams they've been looking to fade. And they've been having success doing that. So let me ask you this. What teams are the wise guys fading? Should we be fading them too? Well, I, I hope not on that second part of your question because I hope we as bookmakers have adjusted the prices. But the teams that, you know, and i got to admit, I was uh, I had overrated some of these teams too. Here's some of the ones that I had overrated and, uh, and guys kind of, you know, kind of showed me the way. Uh, BYU, Nebraska, Miami, Miami, Florida. Yeah. And uh, Texas A&M, among others. And i got a couple others that weren't very good, but maybe we didn't realize just exactly how bad they were. And i got Charlotte, Colorado, and Hawaii on that list. Colorado State could probably be on that list, too, or Nevada, yeah, although they covered the first couple. You know, uh, that those are – so I, I found that those are teams that I kind of can't get anybody uh, to bet on them, almost no matter what price they got. Now, like I said, we've kind of equalized out a little bit. i got some money on Colorado this week. Uh, there's been a couple times when I've had money on uh, on Hawaii, and uh, and even Nebraska's coming in with some money this week from some of the sharp guys, you know. So maybe we've kind of find the equilibrium equal equilibrium on some of those teams, but you know they're still betting against A and M this week. Uh, that's one that I've noticed. Uh, you know, uh, I'd probably go through my list and find a couple others, but those are teams that they've kind of bet against from the beginning of the year and you know i was guilty along with probably a lot of others thinking that you know some of those teams i mentioned were going to be you know pretty good cover teams maybe a shade undervalued and i was just dead wrong on those there's a couple others that they've been on um you know they've been on navy from the beginning and not that navy's a great team but they've been a little better certainly than i thought and they play kind of low so if you're looking for a dog play, that's been a pretty good dog play. The other team that really surprised the hell out of me is Connecticut. And, you know, and they got uh, Jim Warren now the coach. And they've covered some numbers. And that team's, you know, getting some money again this week from some sharp handicappers. 
I had Illinois on my list, but you know now the public has caught on to Illinois, so they're not really. Uh, that, as a matter of fact, they're playing Nebraska this week. And I think the sharp money is actually on Nebraska. Although we've been back and forth between seven, seven and a half. But I think public's on Illinois, sharper money's on Nebraska. So we'll see how that goes. That's kind of going against the trend in both directions this week. So you know, we'll see how that happens. And like you know, Teddy and I always tell everybody, you know, these games are decided on the field. You know, we make the prices, but the games are played on the field. So, you know, there there are two sides of the same coin, but be careful which side you're on. Sure, but let, I'm going to run that list one more time. If you guys missed it, these are the teams that the wise guys have been betting against all year long. BYU, Nebraska, Miami of Florida, Texas A&M, Charlotte, Colorado, Hawaii, Colorado State, and Nevada. They've been on Navy UConn and Illinois in recent weeks. That is strong information from a veteran bookmaker. What about the public? Do you even care who the public bets? They're going to lose their money by the end of the season anyway, aren't they? Uh, is there anything you worry about? And is it always just says they're, they're betting on Alabama, they're betting on Ohio State, they're betting on Georgia, and that's all you have to worry about? Or is it something well, different? We know that's coming every week. And the only time I really look at that is if I'm teetering between two numbers. You know, now, like I said, I know they're going to bet Ohio State. I know they're going to bet Alabama. I know they're going to bet Jersey. So it's not like a mystery in there. But then you get some games, like maybe, let's say, like, a, you know, a Toledo has been a pretty good high-scoring team, you know, kind of an attractive MAC team. Uh, and actually money's showing against them this week. But sometimes you're looking, should I be six and a half, should I be seven? Should I be six and a half? Yeah, and these things aren't in concrete. And sometimes I will let the public influence me as to which way I should go on a number if I'm teetering both ways. So, you know, it, it, you know the, the broad answer is no, but the finite answer is sometimes. Yeah. And, of course, uh, if, if you like Toledo, it can only be because you didn't see them in the fourth quarter last week with a yeah, well, true meltdown in the loss. <laughs> uh, they are up 27-10 yeah. going to the fourth at Buffalo and ended up losing uh, that game by a touchdown. It was not pretty for Rockets backers, although I'll get another chance this week. They're road chalk again, this time at yeah. Eastern yeah. Michigan. Um, let's talk about props and in-game wagering. All right, Obviously, mm-hmm. when we talk about the East Coast books, it's all about props and in-game right now. But yeah. when it comes to college football, are props a big piece of the equation? Is in-game a big piece of the equation? Um, and does it worry you if the answer is no? Well, right now, props are not so much, at least at my store. You know, but in-game is. I mean, we have a pretty good in-game menu. Uh, we you know, we start with the nine o'clock games, and we go all the way to the last game. You know, doing in game. I have two people uh, who I put on in game. You know, uh, we I talked to Michael about it, and he wanted let's control it in house as much as we can. So we have controlled it in house, and I know that other places have farmed it out. Uh, we have not done that, and we've we really have a pretty good product, and we're making a little bit of money for the South Quentin. You know, kind of keeps people around and that sort of thing. So, Michael's very happy with the way we've done it. So, you know, when Michael's happy, I'm happy, Teddy. So, uh, you know, it's been good. So, in game, good props, not so much. Uh, you know, once we get to the bowl games and things like that, we'll do a lot more with props as far as college goes. Now, in the pros, we do our share of props. You know, uh, it's just one of those things. We don't have anything too exotic, and I haven't had player props on a weekly basis, although I did have them at the beginning of the year 
uh, you know, so I had yearly props and, you know, some, you know, some unique things that we had only here at the South Point. And we got a lot of business on them and got us a, a lot of attention. So, you know, that, that was what worked out really well for us. But yeah, we do a lot with props, uh, in the pros on the night games and that sort of thing. But, uh, they, they're not a huge part of our business at this point, but you, know, you got to kind of keep up with the Joneses a little bit. And we're doing our best to do that. So I want to talk about the differences in betting patterns between, uh, generations, you know, the 20 somethings versus the older guys. Uh, obviously, all the buzz around the industry is that the millennial betters, the younger betters, aren't as interested in the full game wagers. They're much more interested in the in game wagers and the prop bets. And it's all the old guys like us who are doing the full game sides and full game totals and full game money lines and all the stuff that you do before kickoff. Are you seeing that at the South Point? And if that is the case, is pre-kickoff betting just going to die a long, slow death as we all just get older, uh, like horse racing? Uh, or is that not anything you're concerned about? Uh, you know, my answer to all those questions is no. I don't see it here. <laughs> I don't think it's going to die a slow death. I mean, people still like to bet their teams, and I don't care if they're 21 years old or 100 years old. They still like to bet their teams. So there are some guys doing that. And, you know, and I got to tell you, we can go through a whole variety of reasons why horse racing died. But part of it is you really have to work at it. I mean, you can go there and say, okay, I'm going to bet, you know, whatever, Mike Smith every race, wing, place, and show. And there's some guys that do that. They probably don't do all that well. But I think if you're going to bet props continually and try to make money doing it and have a modicum of success, it's a lot of work. Whereas here, if you just want to bet, you know, you like Ohio State, yeah, I'm going to bet them. I'm going to bet Ohio State. What's the number? Yeah, I really don't care. I'm going to bet them. You know, and then if you do a little bit of work, you might, you know, bet on, you know, the Buffalo, you know, Buffalo Bisons, you know, or, or you know, you might want to take a dog. You think that, uh, you know, whatever you're seeing, you know, this team is overrated, you know, I'm going to bet against them, you know, what pros or college. So I think that, you know, that is not going to change. And I know there's some millennials out there, and I saw the one guy from one of the outfits, I think it was, you know, I don't want to say the name because I'll probably get it wrong. But he says, yeah. you know, the current, the current, uh, form of this industry is not sustainable. And I tweeted right away, what have I been doing for the last six decades? You know, this is unsustainable. <laughs> and seriously? And like I said, walk in here on a Saturday and Sunday, you'll see the lines are out the door, and we have 12 windows, 11 kiosks, and you have to wait in line to get your bed in. So I don't know what the guy's talking about, unsustainable. To me, it seems extremely sustainable. And, uh, you know, there may be some guys, and you know, they wind up talking to all their little millennial friends who are little quants, and you know, sitting there with computers and all that other stuff. And is there some of that? Yeah. Is there more than there was ten years ago, twenty years ago? Yeah. But is this part of our business going to die? No chance. Strong info from Chris Anderson. Chris, this is not a pick show. Nonetheless, I like to ask my guests for a pick or two before they leave. We got just a couple of minutes left. So let me get a pick. Let me get a game that you like this Saturday in college football. Anything stand out? You know, I'm going to give you a game that hasn't really moved much, but just a side that I like. I like Oak State to beat Oklahoma. Or I'm sorry, Iowa State to beat Oklahoma. You know, I think Iowa State, I think uh, pretty good. 
Yeah, they lose a lot of close games, but I think they're going to beat this uh, Oklahoma team that I don't think we've quite grasped yet. That they're they're not a very good outfit. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Iowa State over Oklahoma. I don't like giving too many picks, but there's a game that really hasn't moved much at all. We've been back, back pick one either side. So I like uh, I like Iowa State in that one. That's a pick the winner, and you get the point spread outcome that you desire. Says uh, and uh, see Oklahoma to me is a, is a fascinating team. In the sense of, I could have sworn Lincoln Riley didn't actually say it with his mouth, but he said it with his job. When you're taking, I mean, not that USC is a lateral move, but for him to walk away from Oklahoma to go to USC says maybe something about who was thinking about the long-term future of that Sooners yeah. program. Chris Andrews says that might be a team to bet against again this week. Let me ask you this: Give me a game. That's that's a that's your pick. Give me a game you're going to be rooting against this week because uh, it's on every parlay card and you've got enormous liability. What's the public? What's the one game that stands out that the public's falling in love with? Oh, of course. You know, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, this is going to be a big news headline. Uh, Ohio State over Penn State. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm a Penn State guy anyway, so I'm going to be rooting for them. But, yeah, everybody's on Ohio State. I think, uh, you know, Penn State, they, you know, they're – they're a good team. They're always like a little disappointing, it seems like. And, you know, from the beginning of the year, I really thought Ohio State was the best team in the country, better than Georgia, better than Alabama. Uh, this is the first real offense they faced all year. I guess, you know, probably could throw Toledo in there. But, you know, the first real offense they faced all year. So we'll see how they do. But, you know, everybody's on Ohio, Ohio State. Looks like, you know, free money for a lot of the guys. And, you know, Teddy, I always say the only thing they they like better than a home favorite is a road favorite because they feel like they're getting a bargain in the number. So that's yeah, yeah, one two, that I'm going to have to root for. Two touchdowns. More than two touchdowns the Buckeyes will have to yeah. win by if they're going to cover yeah. this number. Chris Andrews will be rooting for the home underdog, Nittany Lions. On Saturday, Chris, uh, running out of time, my friend. Promote yourself. Where do people find you? Talk about your book, real quick. Well, yeah, you know, Andrew Sports, of course, is my Twitter. And on my Twitter uh, feed, I have a pinned tweet with uh, how you could buy my book on Amazon. So buy it. I hope you enjoy it. If you like, you know, crime novels and that, you know, especially gambling related, I think, uh, and I would assume everybody on this, this listening to this, would like it. So, you know, buy my book and hopefully you enjoy it. Great stuff from Chris Andrews. Thank you so much. When we come back, I'm going to give you my take on Michigan, Michigan State. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. stretch of cover it uh, with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to download tomorrow's program, tomorrow's NFL show uh, early and check it out, I'll be talking with uh, Matt Koalas. You can do that uh, as well. If you want to go back in the archives and check out any past show, you want to hear the last interview I did with Chris Andrews uh, a couple of months ago, you can check it out. All you need to do wherever you download your podcast, just search cover it and you'll find Cover it with Teddy Covers to download and consume at your convenience. I encourage you to take advantage of it. It's great to listen to it live on air. It's great to be on the Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. But you can download and consume podcast style as you see fit. 
both today's show and every show I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network. Let's talk a little college football for Saturday night. Michigan State and Michigan. And look, I understand how good the Wolverines have been. They cost me money. I stepped in front of them and they beat me. So it's not a team that I'm going, uh, not a game that I'm going into it saying, I don't know what I'm stepping in front of. This is an intense rivalry, all right? 37-33 last year, 27-24 the year before that. In 2018, it was 21-7, 14-10 in 2017, 32-23, 27-23. You're not seeing a whole lot of Wolverines wins in this series by more than three scores. They're laying 22 and a half, 23 in this ballgame. And look, nothing but respect for Michigan. They've earned my respect. Okay? They got the hard way this year. They've earned it. It's a good team. Maybe a great team. But to beat your in-state rival by 24 points or more in a series that has no history, you know, it's been very much the exception rather than the rule for Michigan. And I understand, oh, they're coming off a bye? Well, I don't know that I love teams coming off a bye when they were on a roll before they went into the bye. I think Sparty gives them a game. Michigan State plus 23 is a bet that makes sense to this better. Thank you so much. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll see you right here on Sports Grid Network tomorrow.